Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. I hope you're doing well on this Friday, heading on into the weekend. Jacob, how are you doing over there? Doing well on this outro of this, this Outro spot. edition. Yeah, outro edition. Last week, guys, it was a little hectic up in North Carolina doing some podcast stuff. So, uh, 
Missed that little outro last week, but hey, guys. But hey, it's a, it's a good podcast, but y'all aren't going to get to hear it for a while. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And about to go back up there to get the second part of that episode, too. Mm-hmm. Talked a little bit long. Probably, probably should have. Probably <laughs> just should have. Yeah. Probably we'll we'll kept, see what we can do. Probably should have kept it on topic, but we're going to record the second part coming up soon. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, dude, it's been, been great, man. Just, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff's been happening recently. I mean, there's a ton to talk about, but. This week had uh, old Dave Owens, uh, that classic episode, which I believe came, it was 2020 when we dropped yep. that. It was 2020 NWTF convention. It was right before COVID started. Yep. Um, went up there, talked to Dave. I think that was the second time we interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, there's just not a lot of guys that can talk tactics when it comes to turkeys like Dave Owens can. Uh, it, it's honestly really hard to find guests that, that talk like he does. Um, you know, they get really in the weeds with really specific tactics and stuff. Uh, and Dave was just like a fantastic guest for that. So that was one of those episodes that uh, uh, we just got like a lot of listener success stories from. It helped us out a lot. And it's just overall like cool, entertaining episode. I felt, I felt that was like one of the pivotal moments for you <clears throat> in episode wise. Because he talked quite a bit about Jake Yelps. Oh, let's go. And, like, and kind of use yeah, it in the fourth And it's like you use that that season. Had like one of your best seasons ever. Mm-hmm. Killed, I think, three birds that year. Four birds. Four birds that year. Yeah, because one in Georgia. And just that was like a, again, pivotal moment because, like, he talked a lot. He's like, man, you know, that Jake Yelp. He's like, you know, you kind of roll it into the Ford, you know, into like your, your calling mm-hmm. sequence and uh, can be extremely effective. And Dave, I mean, also, by the way, we had a listen, we had uh, two listener success stories just come in from Europe. So you probably didn't see it on Facebook. Uh-uh. Uh, message came in and two, two old boys, I can't remember their names. I have to look at their names a little bit later. But in Alabama, Two guys using tactics that you talked about using the Jake. What I talked about, yeah, patience for that whole episode. Of, you know, what was it? Deadly call. What was that? Name Creating right? a deadly turkey calling sequence. Yep. Uh, use a lot of stuff there. Talking about the patience factor. Like you know, once he answers, shut up. The whole nine yards, and they killed two birds in two days on Alabama public land. Oh, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I didn't see that. Well, congrats, boys. Well done. Yep. Give you a clap there. Where, where's the Where's the little Where's the little clap? Oh yeah. Well, I don't have that channel turned on. We have a applause button on here, but we never use it. Maybe we should start using it more. <laughs> Maybe we should. Well, dude, that's awesome. Another thing that Dave talked about uh, in that episode that I'd actually forgotten that was the episode he talked about it was uh, the the aspect of of getting to where you can call a turkey too. Basically, uh, getting in an area where you that sets up well for you to actually mm. hunt a turkey. Yes. Um, that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, but then also calling turkeys from a place where not everyone else has called them from before. And that is, that's a real interesting topic. And it really relates to deer too. I mean, we've kind of talked about the same thing with deer. Like that's one reason that you hear a lot of guys who do these really weird, aggressive deer hunting tactics, like hunting bees kind of stuff where you're like punching into the bedroom. Uh, that's why those guys are so successful because you're catching those animals off guard because they're not they're not that smart. They don't think like us, but through clash, classical conditioning, it's like, okay, well, there's always dudes coming off of this road and hunting right here. Uh, and so when you throw something at them where you're not coming at them from where everyone else comes at them from, then uh, you're more likely to call them to you. And I've heard other people mention that, like, uh, don't try to call a turkey towards a road. Try to loop around and get behind them and call them away from roads, and you'll have more success. And Dave kind of touched on that a little bit. And he was talking about one turkey in, in general. I mean, uh, specifically, that I think it was a North Alabama bird. I think I know where they were. Uh, but they were in North Alabama, mountainous stuff. 
and there's this bird next to a highway and him and Courtney went up there and they got up on this mountain and they just called this turkey up like two times before they killed him. Uh, and he was talking about that. He's like, that's just a turkey that, that no one was really messing with just because of where he was. And we came at him from this angle that he'd never heard. And so all of a sudden he's super intrigued. And I, I think they had called him up and they couldn't get a good shot and it, it left. And then they just kind of repositioned a little bit and called it right back up there mm-hmm. where he's like, you know, I, I guess just doesn't expect it to be a person or, or whatever. Not that I don't even know if they, they can reason that good, but you know, I, I feel like maybe they're just kind of a afraid of roads in general. Some, some cases, other cases, they're like, oh, they had no issue being up on the road. <laughs> yeah. uh, which Mr. Benny was talking about. I talked to him today about it. He's like, man, I kept seeing this one bird on the road. <laughs> I'm like, well, that bird, you know, that'd be one of those ones you can call probably pretty easily to one of those locations. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, yeah, he did talk about that, which I thought was really interesting. And something that uh, you, yeah, there was another guest we've had on the past that talked a lot about that with, again, not calling from the road. You may be listening from a road. But once you hear them try to, like you said, loop around them, which is kind of tricky because the problem is if you try to loop around, you got to figure out, you know, first off, is this leaf on conditions, you know, late in the spring or is it leaf off conditions early in the season? And that can really dictate not only how far that turkey can hear or that turkey can see, but also where you can hear that bird from and potentially if there's other birds out in front of it. Because the one issue you run into is you try to loop around that turkey is, is there hens on the other side of them? Is there jakes? Is there more birds in the area? So you think you know where one's pinned, you make a hundred yard loop and you bust out a bunch of other turkeys that may flush back towards them or not, you know, that can be a huge risk, but definitely in the leaf on situation, it seems like you can do it a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Try to loop around them and call them away from that road. Like, like you talked about, you know, from a direction that Turkey probably hasn't heard calls from other than of course with, you know, wild birds and wild hens. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of hard to do. Cause I catch myself doing it, which I haven't really got to go very much since uh, that second bird I killed this year. But the two or three times I have gotten to go, I've caught myself doing this where um, I go to this property and I'm like, I'm sitting down to listen and like maybe make my first calls. And I'm like, okay, I'm like a hundred yards off this logging trail that I walked in on. It's maybe not an open road, but it's like a logging trail. That's like very easy walking. And when you think about how often you're like right next to one of those. And I think that Dr. Chamberlain kind of did some research on this and quoted some stuff on it where I can't even remember, but it was some crazy amount of like the hunters. It was South Carolina study. He, I think he was doing. And it was like, um, yeah, when we had him on the first time, he t- we talked about. It, and actually, I think well, I showed us the uh, some of the GPS data, uh, but I think it was like over like seventy five or eighty percent of the hunters didn't get more than I think a hundred yards off E major, either road system or logging road or some kind of trailhead. Like they stayed within a hundred yards of that. Mm-hmm. If you think about that, you know that seems pretty. I mean, obvious for a lot of people. A lot of people. You know they'll work. They'll walk three miles down a down a logging trail, or you know little roadway system, but they might not get super far off that in, in general. There are some. There's some guys, of course, probably some listeners too. Like, oh man, I'll dump off that and go another, you know, a few hundred yards. But the problem is where we're at. It's hard to get away from logging trails and and access points and road. Yeah, systems. you hit the next ridge, you're boom, you're on another road. That's the th- absolutely. So it's like at pretty much all points, you're within at least 250 yards of a logging trail. Um, so, but the thing is, it's like everything has a turkey had a negative experience. A guy had a negative, negative experience in one of those areas with his logging trails, because the thing is those easy access points that guys are coming off of, of course, that's probably where they're having the most calling situation They're calling, you know, uh, 
encounters with probably humans and everything else. But there's other logging trails out there, more subtle trails that people probably don't realize. And that's a perfect strutting area for one of those birds, especially because it's kind of up on the side of the ridge around one of those secondary ridge points you're talking about on, what was it, two weeks episode, two weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two weeks ago. Which, by the way, we had a couple of few, or we had a couple of people reach out to us about images showing what those secondary ridge points look like, those knobs, and kind of like what you're talking about, like the pine knobs and everything. So sent one of those guys a screenshot. They kind of give an idea of what some of that stuff looks like, but um, oh yeah, we should make a post on that. I forgot to do that this week. You gotta give me an image, bro. You gotta give me something good. Yeah, I gotta look at some uh, stuff you can't hunt and uh, and show that to people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know who else talked about that whole logging trail thing? You know, you go walk three three miles down a logging road and then get fifty yards off the edge of it. Glenn Solomon, mm. when it comes to deer hunting, he yeah. said all, that almost verbatim in his episode, episode one sixteen, one sixteen, Cla- the classic of all classics, man. Uh, he talked about that exact thing where he was talking about you got these hunter access roads and he's a Georgia hunter on these WMAs. You have these long roads that you can walk on. You can't drive on them. And he's like, yeah, you might, you know, some guy might walk all the way to the end of it. And then he's hunting 50 yards off the end of it. You know, he there. Think of those lines. If you just put like a hundred yard buffer around all those roads, walking or driving roads. And that's where people are hunting, generally speaking. Um, so I don't know. Interesting stuff on that front definitely and and kind of i think it kind of goes back to also what we talked about i think it was that episode two weeks ago uh talked about hunting turkeys in a place where where they're killable because uh me and you were talking earlier today about um uh you getting ready to turkey hunt this weekend and we were talking about areas and you pointed out one area that i know has turkeys and i i mean i do think you could kill one in there but it's not it do, it doesn't set up great for turkey hunting just because how I always look at it like how you can swing around these birds. So let's say you've got one goblin right here on this ridge point. Well, can I swing up and get above him no. or can I swing around? That's the problem. And especially in this SMZ type type land is uh, those turkeys are in the SMZs for sure. But if in order to swing around them, you have to walk through like a pine thicket, like it probably it's going to be really tough to work those birds. I, I, yeah, I don't have any briar bridges or <laughs> you know, anything like what Andrew rocks. So, yeah, it makes it a little Got tough. Got them briar bibs. Them briar bibs. And it's the, like. The old BBs. Oh, yeah. And if you want to like run all the way up to the road and go around on the road, well, that's going to take forever. I mean, yep. you know, and, and you know, you can take your time moving on a turkey if he's going to stay in the same spot. But a lot of times he doesn't. And if I have to move on one and it takes like an hour, then I like never kill them. I feel like so um unless I'm like staying with them the whole time but um yeah that's kind of that that episode with Dave was kind of a turning point for me I guess that mm-hmm. that was that was right before I had that good year that's I didn't what, even think about that I don't listen now <laughs> a pro hosting here yeah I think back mm-hmm. way on back no but uh yeah no it, it was a really solid episode also I kind of liked at the very end we were giving them different scenarios that stuff that had happened to us previous the previous season and I forgot until halfway into the episode. I didn't realize Clay and Tyler were there too. Oh yeah, on the episode. I don't. I kept like, hearing Tyler go like, "Mm-hmm." In the beginning, I'm like, "Who is saying?" Oh, yeah, huh. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, who is with us? I'm like, who? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and like, finally, we're like, Tyler. Like, we never introduced them. No. <laughs> so it was like you didn't poor realize, hosting job. Yeah, you didn't realize like halfway through or three quarters of the way through, you're like, "Oh, Clay's here," which that was the year Clay was interning for us. 
And then, uh, and then Tyler was there too. That was so funny, man. <laughs> and uh, Tyler, you know, hey, you know, something else that happened then, like, dude, Tyler's changed so much in that time frame. You might be listening to this episode, but it's like back then in that episode, he's like, man, I've never heard of spitting drum before. He's like, I've never heard of spitting drum. That's, that's like that first year he was really getting into turkey hunting. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. It was a couple years ago. Yeah. Like, hardcore. And that year, I mean, he was traveling all over the place. Doing, oh, dude. Going all over the place. Nose to the grindstone. Absolutely. And then now, like, we go to NWTF and he's a totally different person. He is fact. Joe Turkey Hunter, <laughs> dude, baby. He's like, he's like, Brian, if I can't hear, if I couldn't hear a, 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 a spit, if, if I can't hear him drumming, I wouldn't even turkey hunt I would, no more. I'd quit turkey hunting. i quit turkey hunting. <laughs> he told me that like six times while we were recording podcasts. Oh, man. Because I'm like, you know, I can just. No, no, oh, dude, Tyre Malone, man, he can talk smack with the best of them. It's so funny, dude. But uh, uh, yeah. anyways. Got my turkey beard right here. Yeah, my dogs ate my one of my turkey beards. Let, let all the listeners in on that. Don't leave your turkey beard uh, on the counter, especially yeah. if you have a bird dog, I guess, because, man, Pepper is in here, and I saw her chewing on it. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. don't be blaming on Pepper now. Well, no, no, no. I, I saw she's the one that tipped me off because I see her. Yeah, because we're like, what is that something. pine straw? Looking I thought she stuff. had pine straw, and he went over there, and you're like, dude, this is a turkey beard. And we walk into the den, and Boone is in his bed, just covered in turkey beard. Like it's strands, everywhere. like the strands it's, are everywhere. It's everywhere. It looks like you get some. It look the the image that gives the listeners imagine a big dog bed. And you had like a handful of pine straw, and you threw it down. That's what that beard looked oh, like. Oh, it did. And and he just looked so happy. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting there staring at us, man. He's like, man, this thing's awesome. Yeah. You got any more of those? Oh man, yeah. I think that was from Turkey Number One, and this is Turkey Number Two. It's okay. I'm not much of a beard guy, anyways. I like the spurs. I was gonna say, other than that beard, I, don't, I ain't seen you put any other beards out. So no, nah, that's the only beard, and then there's the spurs. Yeah, man, that last one was a good. Son. Oh, oh, oh spurred turkey. Is it? Wait, oh, okay. He's the he's the top one right there. Yeah, very last. That's the last bird I shot. Dang. Talk about some hooks. You got some hooks. That boy. one that Benny shot, like a lot bigger than that. I mean, a nice turkey. You said he's close to an inch and a half. You think? Oh, probably. Yeah, he might be a little over. I mean, long, sharp spurs. Gosh. Hey, let's speak of that. Not to get too sidetracked. You know, there's every year there's like a couple guys kill like some. At least it shows on social so shows on social media. Some guys killing some giant spurred Osceolas. Oh, dude. I know what you're talking about. There was one like from two or three days ago mm. uh, that literally, I'm like, they, and they, they didn't show a measurement or anything. And it, I don't know if it's hitting two, but it is. It's close. It, they're gigantic spurs. It is ridiculous. I'm like, it was, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, that's wow. a booner turkey right there, oh boy. Oh, God, so big. Talk about like, a booner turkey. I'm like, yeah, that's, this is crazy, crazy, crazy. But anyways. Uh, not to get too sidetracked. And then, uh, uh, do you got anything else from uh, Dave's episode from Monday? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you on the coals. Mm-hmm. Um, why, how are you gonna kill a turkey this weekend? Probably calling <laughs> if I had to guess. <laughs> Actually, no, no, probably live. Probably very little calling and just sitting there. You know, bushwhack them. Just either, yeah, either that or just dude. Couple, couple soft calls. Dude, dude couple come on, soft what's yelps? the plan? Let's go. Talk me through it. Let's go. It depends on where we're going. It depends on where I'm going. That's that's the thing. I mean, the the biggest thing. This is the biggest thing going out there is trying to figure out because uh, the area you were recommending, I think I've only been in there. If, if the area I'm thinking about, because you mm-hmm. sent out a weird map, 
Uh, uh, well, I sent you the Onyx pin, and then I sent my own map. Okay, yeah. I made the topo I, line. I, I haven't pulled the Onyx pin up yet, so I don't... Oh, I, yeah. Okay. I, saw, I was kind of confused on where you were sending me. I was like, what is this? <laughs> yeah, You're like, yeah, I've heard some down here. I'm like, where is this? No, no, it looks so I mean, It looks like three different places. I, I made my own map because I'm a GIS guy, so I made my own map of this really specific area with uh, five-foot contours on my topo map. Yep. And uh, it's like, it looks so different than any other topo map. That it, yeah, you like you don't even know where you're at, you know. Even if you're familiar with the area, I mean, it looks way different. Yeah, it's wide. Well, no. but that area. So mm-hmm. what attracts me to it? Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, I don't, I don't know. Without she, going into too I don't, much I don't detail, think you should be talking about it, man. Well, so it's it's got hardwoods. All right, <laughs> it's got hardwoods, and it's got pine it's trees. It's got pines. It's got hardwoods. It's got pine trees that ain't thick underneath. Yeah, uh, and me and JT. So I listened there. Two and a half weeks ago, heard three gobblers mm-hmm. all in one spot. And then me and JT hunted there and heard three or four different gobblers. Yeah, he told me that. All in the same area. And we, I'm almost certain we called one of them up because uh, one gobbled behind us. And I'm like, okay, that one's real close. And we sw- swung around and got on top of him, like up over the hill, and uh, ended up calling a hen up that was like right there where he gobbled from. And there was this little thicket between us and her, and she wouldn't. She was just walking back and forth on the other side of the thicket, yelping. And I'm pretty sure he was probably with her, but we never got a look at him. Could, could hear me spitting, mm-hmm. No, I was listening though. Couldn't hear it. But uh, I'm I'm fairly certain he was probably with that hen, but uh, could, had to leave pretty early that morning. I haven't I haven't even you know three weeks in here. I guess I haven't had like that long turkey hunt where the, the kind of turkey hunt I like where I can really work one all morning because uh, the only two mornings, ironically, the only two mornings I had to like really work a turkey, I killed a turkey within the first hour. So, I mean, that's a, gr- that's a good problem to have. But I, ha- I haven't been on that long hunt yet this year, unfortunately, where, you know, you just kind of kind of stay in there with them and really work that bird, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's like your bird you killed back in 2020. Um, um, that one right there oh for real he yeah he was big, one of my biggest big, turkeys big. ever he's got some freaking hooks yeah that that oh. was so that turkey um he was again this is after listening to dave's episode and that turkey this he's actually a really good example man i wish i could show people where i killed him why don't you because it's national forest and everyone will know where it's at i mean it's already national forest not like everybody doesn't know about the national well that's true that's true well that's the turkey i heard him gobble at like 5.45 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, super early, and I killed him at, like, 11 a.m. And I, I hung with him all morning, and what he did was these knobs we keep talking about, which we'll, we'll post a picture today, if you're listening knobs, to this today. secondary ridge points. You gotta come up. Secondary ridge points. Because when you say a knob, people are like, what the heck is a knob? Okay, you got a thermal hub. Okay, and it, you simplify, man. We're turkey hunting. <sighs> Alright, you, hunt. you've got You say thermal hubs, freaks. and guys are like, why are you talking about thermal hubs and deer, dude? <laughs> with turkeys. That's true. Okay, so if you got uh, multiple creek bottoms that come together in one spot, okay, uh, it could be it could be little bitty ones, little that, like dry branches, like no water in them, and they come together and they make a little bowl. That's what we always called it, a bowl. Most people in the South probably know it as a bowl, uh, yep. or, or a thermal hub. It could be a big giant one where big major creeks come together, mm-hmm. but then you have those ridge points above it, and not necessarily the tippy top of the ridges, like the highest point. But when you start going down and you got these little little flat spots on the sides of the ridges, those knobs, and especially the ones that overlook those thermal hubs, uh, or even just like a juncture of two pretty big creeks, 
where he can get on that knob and he can go gobble off one side and then walk 50 feet and gobble off the other side of it into two distinct areas. That's where they like to go uh, and display it and gobble and everything. So they like to strut and gobble. And that turkey, he went to either four or five different knobs that morning, all of them very similar in an immediate area of each other. So he'd go to one and he'd gobble and gobble and then he'd go to the next one and he'd gobble and gobble. And the whole time I was sticking with him like all morning long. And then finally he got to the last one and I was able to kill him because I, I, we got there at the same time, like just like, I was super lucky that we got there at the same time and ended up killing that bird. But that was like probably my best learning experience was, uh, was that Turkey just because like I, I stayed with him for so long and saw the places that he kept going to and like was able to see like in one morning, the pattern it was like, okay, he went to four different places to gobble this morning and they all looked like this. And so that's when I like, that's when I like really Wait, so learned look about like what, like give some characteristics. So like, just, just, just like, like what makes these knobs that he was going to is like special. I, well, I'll tell you one thing about them is they were not big, giant, obvious knobs. So like three of them, uh, you couldn't even see on most topo maps. Uh, well, no, that's not fair. Two of them. One of them you couldn't see on pretty much any map. Uh, it was just a little bitty knob. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't much bigger than like my garage, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was they that one. It was a windy day too, and he was low down. So the the if you think of the ridge is like from the from the creek to the tallest part of the ridge, think of it as like two hundred feet. The knob he was gobbling on was a little flat spot, a little flat knob that comes off the bottom of that ridge at like seventy five feet. So at a two hundred feet, he's like less than halfway down, and that was on like a real windy day. And uh, he was still doing his thing. He just got lower kind of out of the wind, which is uh, pretty interesting. But it, it, it always had to do with those knobs. And it's not the it's not always the big, giant, obvious ones you see on the map. It's those more smaller, subtle ones where uh, like you think of like a like this house we're in, like a little two bedroom garden home, like the size of like a little two bedroom garden home. Think about that, uh, like 1400 square feet or something like an acre, maybe um, tops. As like a comparison, you know, if you have these like big giant, big giant uh, ridges that come down and, and you kind of have the end of that ridge, that's not really a knob. You know, if it's like a large area uh, that you would like deer hunt with a rifle and like shoot across or something, it's probably it's probably too big. I, I typically find better luck. <laughs> that's kind of weird now. I was going to say, what's up with your deer hunting, man? I don't I know. Deer I'm like, do you think about some deer right now? I am thinking I about mean, deer. I mean, you just hung up about five deer heads. Yeah, they look good too. They look really good. God, man, I should have mounted that one. Should have, could have. Anyways, um, but yeah, those it, knobs. That's uh, that's all I got to say about that. Knobs. Yeah, knobs for days. Knob Creek. Knob Creek. It's Knob just, Creek Rye. It's my bourbon or rye whiskey of choice. Put a turkey on there. It's pretty good stuff. They put a turkey on there. Gobble off knob over the creek. Oh, gobbler knob. Oh, man. hey, that's why it's called a gobbler knob, I guess. You know. Um, never, never heard that. So, so what, what you what, <laughs> so so what you gonna do this weekend? You gonna go hit up some uh some good old knobs? I'm gonna have to, dude. No, you have to get up high and just listen, see if I can find one of the knob. Probably, probably the biggest thing is just sitting back and just chilling. And if there are some gobbling, which hopefully with that cold, with this cold front pushing through, um, I, I would expect something happening. But just try to see if I can get one gobble on the ground. Like I'm not. There's no point. I've come to realize this. After like years of chasing turkeys and making the joke like, oh man, I'm gonna put tennis shoes on so I can like chase after turkeys <laughs> uh when they're gobbling on a limb. 
if they're going on a limb, that's great and Danny. Dandy? Say Danny. <laughs> it's great and Danny. <laughs> great and Dandy. Anyways, but if they get on the ground and they just shut up and they get hens with them, yeah, you probably can go in there and make something happen. But it's it just seems like there's you get a lot more advantage if you know where that gobbler's at because he keeps gobbling. Mm-hmm. And uh so probably the it's biggest, a lot more fun too. Yeah, a lot more fun too. So probably the biggest thing is sitting back and trying to see if I can get one that once he hits on the ground, he continues to gobble. And if that's the case, then it's full blown out and just reading topo maps. I would go straight woodsmanship. We're just gonna be looking at maps. The least amount of calling possible. I ain't calling until we get into his little his little buffer zone. Oh yeah. And then we're gonna step and make some some very solid calls and probably probably bring out the pot call. I get the mouth call, but definitely probably bring out the pot call and do some real soft clucks. And like maybe some super soft yelps. Like super soft yelps. Uh, as long as it's not super, super windy. And just try to get inside that buffer zone and just see if he re- if, if he answers great, shut up, or just sit. And that's, and that's what the two listeners did, by the way. The ones that had success. House of Game Calls Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call by Field and Stream Outdoors. And trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spur Master and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spur Master call and success call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distance with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com, use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think Devin Duncan, also when we had him on back at NWTF this year, uh, I think that's pretty similar to what he talked about. Because I think we asked him about, hey, what about those days where they're just like not doing it? Like maybe you hear a couple on the limb, maybe you don't. They're not really doing much on the ground. What do you like to do? And one of the things that he said was he likes to walk these ridges and I think that I have to go back and listen, but I think he's like identifying those spots where there might be gobblers. So like these knobs that I keep talking about, you know, strategically approaching them from above and being real cautious and slow about it and getting to where you can like hear one of those really good or where you're set up good above it. And then just do some blind calling, you know, kind of like you're talking about, throw some yelps out, nothing like insane, but just do maybe like three or four, like decently loud yelps. Yeah. So just so you know, he can hear you. And then just wait. And, you know, if he answers, then it's on. But, uh, you know, who knows? Um, Zach went out and had some luck this past I saw, week. And, I saw. and, you know, he got kind of aggressive with that turkey, he was telling me. And um, and it, it got quiet for a while. And then he, I think he said he clucked like twice. And it just like hammered it. Hammered two clucks. And then just a couple of minutes later, it was strutting and gobbling right in front of him. And he got it. So that's the kind of turkey hunt. We all dream about, man. Yep. So, 
uh yep that's uh i guess that's the 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 turkey turkey talk for this week yeah hopefully, right. hopefully you get one this weekend maybe i can sneak out one morning with you we'll see uh-huh. i'm gonna try to i'm sure would like to but uh deer so wednesday's episode mm-hmm. you want to go into that a little bit yeah will johnston from uh tennessee uh listen to the podcast yeah, to talk a lot about with him about kind of a grind of a season he had last year where he finally he he was taking stuff away he was learning from the podcast and trying to apply it. And he got on he got on deer, but it, it seemed like it was more of like again that numbers game. Like the way he described it, listen to one of those episodes, is like that honey hole spot. Like he's got this big ridge. They're like coming off the ridge. It seems like some deer are betting up on that ridge. They're crossing that ridge, walking the ridge east to west right in front of them, or you know, left to right and right in front of them, so you can see real easy. But the stand location he found, which was a one tree he could climb down off the the river bottom uh, in like a privet thicket. And he said when he sat there that one time, uh, when he actually shot the deer, that all the deer were coming to him to this one tree. And like it was definitely like, kind of like a navigational marker or something. For some reason, all the trails came to this one tree and then split off, which gave him, I mean, Super close shot. I think he shot the deer like less than 20 yards with a muzzleloader. That big buck that he killed. And uh, there was a lot of cool takeaways from it. One, talking about woodsmanship and not worrying so much about just going out there and just, again, nothing against guys that like to run a lot of trail cameras. Trail cameras are awesome. But not relying solely on trail cameras alone of like when and how you hunt a place, but also based off the sign you find and reading that sign and understanding, you know, why would a buck be in this area? And that place had a ton of does. It had one awesome buck bedding location up on the ridge that he actually jumped the deer the year previously from that spot. And it all kind of aligned. And one thing he talked about with Bill Vale's episode, what he's talked about um, on Wednesday's show, Bill explains of how to take a topo map of a certain area you're hunting, whether it's a piece of private land or a piece of public land, you know, break it down where it's something sizable, you know, within, you know, a couple hundred acres and go from, 360 degrees around this topographical map and draw a line straight through it, taking the path of least resistance through the actual map from each direction. Again, 360 degrees around going straight through the middle. And he said when he did that on the spot or in this area, all these lines came down through this river bottom and up to this one side of the ridge. So he's like, well, that's the place I need to go. And when he was hunting there, he's like, I never sat there and not saw a deer. All right, so explain that a little bit more, the Bill Vale thing. Well, you need to go back and listen. You need to find that. Can you go look up yeah, that Yeah, let episode? me look up that episode. Uh, so Bill Vale, what he talks about, which again, you need to go back and listen to this episode, guys, if you haven't heard it, as a way to like break down a property uh, and find, you know, just based off topo maps, potential stand sites, one thing that he likes to do and also areas to scout and speed scout properties is, again, he'll take that topo map, pretty high quality topo map of a property he's going to be hunting or breaking down for a, cl- for a client. And then he will go from three. Imagine that property being like, put a circle over that property and then like a clock. And you go from the 12 o'clock to the six o'clock position. And then you go from the 1230 to the 630 position. And you kind of start working your way all the way around this clock, drawing lines, and you're taking it through the path of least resistance per that topo map. So, you know, up the draws, up the ridges, through the saddles, down the benches, all the way from one side to the other. And the the area, what you'll find is you don't have a necessary center point in that actual uh, circle in that wheel. It's like there are little hot spots throughout this circle on this map 
that all these lines are, or a lot of these lines are kind of merging. And that's what he's using as hotspots to go in there, scout, run trail cameras in these areas, put a mock scrape up, whatever, because there's multiple avenues of travel coming to these one spots. And that's what Will did. And that's how he found this spot was when he did that on his map, a lot of these lines came up through this river bottom and through this one part of the ridge. And that's where he went to hunt and he started hunting there. He's like, I literally never sat there and never saw and did not see a deer, which I'm like, dude, that is like the biggest thing you ever do in public land. Cause I, oh, I, get, yeah. I, get, I, I told him the meme I saw on Instagram, which I'll share with you guys again is there was a meme that was going around probably a week or two ago and it had two different guys. One guy at the very top of it, he, you know, he's looking great. He was like, it said private land deer hunter, this target <laughs> buck, opening day gun season or oh, opening yeah. day season. And then below it had this raggy old dude. And it said, <laughs> I didn't see a deer all season or I saw one deer, two <laughs> deer I all season. I saw one spike. Yeah, all season. It's like, you know, if you can go to a spot, you go to a spot in public land where pretty much every time you go, it's like, I'm going to see a deer. Those are the areas that are, because most times it's a lot of does and maybe yeah. some young bucks. It's you like found the, something very special. It's a place to hunt during the rut. And uh, anyways, it was super fascinating how he found the spot, how he started hunting it. And again, it was a long ways in there, but he had success, killed, I mean, a tremendous buck, fantastic deer. And uh, it was just super interesting to kind of see how he's going to be able to break that down and use a lot of that woodsmanship and not rely solely on like, you know, cameras alone to try to figure out where he wants to hunt, but truly go in there, scout, find the sign, see what makes sense on the map. And then go and apply it. And then you know, the best thing you can do is always sit a spot and just see how it plays out. And, uh, you know, he shot a great deer and I think it was the 9th or 10th of December, which is just after their rut. And yeah, dude, I mean, just freaking like clockwork. Yeah, that episode is episode 282, The Wind Rule with Bill Vale. 282. Yeah, 282. I'll say this. I'm going to put a warning out there. I put it on, on uh, Will's episode on Wednesday. That is a very that episode. If you don't understand thermals um, to at least some extent, or understand just how wind is important for like setting up for whitetails. Oh yeah, that episode is a very very high level. Well, twist your brain into a pretzel. Yeah, very very high level understanding of wind, wind currents, uh, thermal uh, well, thermal currents, thermal wind currents, currents, everything. So just understand that when you go into the episode, it's an episode you're gonna have to listen to many times. Oh oh yeah. To to finally to kind of get it. Sometimes some guys get it very quickly, especially if they're they're very. Me and Michael, when we recorded that episode, we were like, we did not get it. Well, see, we, I, I'd already talked to him three times, so I knew exactly what was talking. Yeah, no, me yeah. and Michael, it you was like, so far. What, dude? It was way way over our heads because because Bill's entire theory is predicated on like his idea that that basically deer always are using the wind in one fashion or another, whether it's in their face or to their back. Yep. Um, and, and kind of how they move. And, uh, that was kind of, I don't know. It, it was, it was difficult to grasp at first. Yeah. Uh, but his, his idea, and I've actually heard this from some other people too. I actually think that they, the people I've heard this from said this came from Bill Vale, but that, that whole thing of taking your topo map and start tracing out the path of least resistance from like point A to point B throughout a whole area and wherever those paths really start crossing, uh, that's where, that's where you need to go look. Yeah, that, that's that's where the past leads, and that's what he does. He he goes and scouts the spots. Like I think he he says in the episode, if it has like four or more lines, don't hold me to. It, I think it's like four or more lines come together. It's a spot worth looking at, uh, and he'll go and just spot check. He won't walk the whole property. He'll go and spot check those areas. Mm-hmm. Take clients out there because he does a lot of like property management stuff for clients uh, and like stand setups and stuff like that, like hunt breakdown properties. 
you know, it's like some of those areas, the areas he's going to put, you know, if he's got multiple lines coming together in one spot, you can put a mock scrape there, primary scrape, uh, put trail cameras over it, uh, inventory, the whole nine yards, and has a ton of success with it. And also great spots to kill deer during the rut too. Yeah. I mean, it really just goes back to uh, compounding features, which we've talked to several different people about, and we've talked about it ourselves a whole bunch, but that, that whole compounding feature idea where, you know, a saddle's great, but a saddle with a bench leading into it is even better. Uh, or a saddle with a bench up against a bluff or something leading into it is, you know, even better. Right? Or a saddle that has two or three habitat edges in it that comes up to, you know, the head of a drainage that comes up to a that, thermal hub. Yeah, that has a thermal hub next to it that has a bench that runs into it. That's just that much more better. Like, oh, yeah. The more and more you compound and have in one area, the better and better those areas are. Yeah. Or, or like a big saddle that connects two, th- two major thermal hubs. That's mm. always a good rut spot. Mm. That's a good. Mm. Hey, two, two of them jokers came from a spot like know, that up on the wall. I'm looking that, at them right now. Those are the, those are spots you dream of. Yeah. That's, big, that big saddle in between two thermal hubs. Absolutely. That's exactly what those two came from. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Yep, compounding features, man. It kind of kind of always ends up coming back to something like that. When you really boil it down, there's there's a lot of different uh, little nuances, I guess, within that with different people who hunt different ways. But when you when you get down to like bare bones stuff, there there's some things, there's some ingredients that always have to be there, yeah. and that's probably one of them. Well, another thing we talked about in the episode is like, don't get so tied up what other guys are doing. Actually, I, I kind of went on a soapbox on this episode on that episode about. Uh, don't get so tied, especially if you're new at like whitetail hunting and everything. It's like, don't get so tied up on what your buddies are doing, what they're killing, uh, what you're seeing on social media. Just go out there and have fun because you start comparing yourself to other people. It starts to be kind of miserable because it's like, oh, I'm not performing and blah, blah, man, this sucks. And then you're going to start doing things you probably shouldn't be doing. And, you know, ethic and moral boundaries start getting crossed and all this kind of stuff. You know, just do it for what's fun. And like I told him on the episode, I told uh, Will in the episode, talked to the listeners too, he's like, you know, I shot a deer last year that at the time I thought he was probably three and a half years old. Now I think he's just a good two and a half year old deer. And I'm proud as hell of that deer. It's because the situation, the time I put in, it was a hard spot to kind of get You're to. You're hunting with your brother? Yeah, hunting with my brother, whole nine yards, and kill a deer. And it was just freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, cool. Like two and a half year old, dude. It was an absolute blast. It's not that big of a deal. Like, you know, like I, I'm the kind of guy, like, I'm not putting any kind of restrictions on myself currently. Like I've got to go kill a four and a half year old or five and a half year old or better for every buck I kill. I'm like, just, I'm not doing that just because I want to have fun. And there's some times when you get in one of those spots, like I passed deer up like that before my bow, like in, in, especially in Tennessee, in Tennessee, one spot in particular, I passed two bucks up the same morning that were just like that deer. Actually, one was probably bigger than that deer. <laughs> I was like, well, I just didn't get my blood going that morning. But it's like, you know, I had the rifle in my hand on this other hunt and it was freaking fantastic. Just went full time with the podcast. I'm like, let's do it. And then, a week and a half later, go shoot a five and a half year old on another piece of public land. Now, mm-hmm. man. and it's just like you know, it is yep. what it is. So that's like that's uh, like that tall skinny deer right there on the wall. Yeah, uh, that that's exactly how he is. I don't know. I never aged him, but I mean, I'm just guessing probably two and a half, just because mm-hmm. he had a little bitty bod- body on him. Um, but man, that that was the morning you killed a you killed a nice buck. Zach killed a freaking monster and <laughs> yeah. y'all, y'all had both killed deer and I, it was like 11 o'clock and I saw that joker come walking out. I'm like, you, you messed up, buddy. We're tripling, baby. You, you picked the wrong day to walk in front yeah, of me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, triple, yes, thank you. Yeah, because we had just got my deer back to the truck and we're sitting there talking and we're here, and I'm like, no freaking Let's way. Let's go pack another one. I'm boy. like, no way, dude. I called you, bro. I swear to God, like, freaking, like, 
I think you were still feeling the recoil by the time I called you. Oh, in, in, instant. Literally, instantly, my phone is like vibrating. That was yeah. a good day, man. I mean, a hard day to top in the deer woods. That was a that was a great day. Yep. That's actually what the profile photo is, or the cover photo for the uh, Facebook page. So yep. There was a Facebook page. Yep, that's you're, exactly what You're it my dear from that day. I remember that because we were walking in, and I was late getting in, and it was gray light. And I, I was sitting. I found some rocks. I hadn't got to my spot yet, and I found this big rock outcropping, and I crawled up in it. And like just kind of got comfortable, and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna wait till it for it to get light, uh, so I can like finish getting to my stand." And I was sitting there at that rock outcropping, and uh, this doe came, and she was like milling around beneath me. And you were up on the hill above me in that cutover, uh, and dude, I remember that doe was in front of me, and it was like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, Jacob just shot!" Oh yeah, because it was super early. It was really early, like, uh, and dude, I was looking at the deer for like 20 minutes before I shot it too. Oh, dude, because I just I couldn't get a shot at it. It was before uh, like legal sunrise. Yeah, which, when I saw which him. legal shooting hours is uh is 30 minutes before sunrise, and I I think you shot him before legal sunrise. Because uh, you saw him, like, as soon as you could start seeing, you you saw that deer. So he was already mm-hmm. out there when you got there. Oh, I mean, I was literally watching him. Like, could like if you didn't, if you were looking through the scope, you couldn't see anything. But I saw a flicker of white. And I'm like, I think that's a deer. And I was like, I forgot my binos. <laughs> so I was, like, looking through the scope. I'm like, I think that's a deer. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a doe. And then, like, I zoomed out a little bit. And then all I see is, like, the top of tines, like, right next there. Like, I can't see the main beam, just the top of his tines. And he's just standing there, and I'm like, no way. And I zoomed in on him. I was like, oh, man, it's like it's a good deer. And I'm like, oh, I'm shooting him. And then I literally was like laying there looking at him for like, I mean, literally it was like 20 minutes. It was like extremely stressful because I was trying not to lose him. And my dad was kind of milling around and milling around. And finally, dude, he just stepped out and gave me a shot. And it was like cordon away shot. And hit him like right in the neck. And just, yeah, he he wasn't done. He, he didn't go much. He done didn't go for. Far. You, hey, you popped another one at him, though, didn't you? You at shot, least, yeah, at least one more at him. I shot two more times. I shot two more. I, I was, I was slinging lead. Hey, if they're, if they're standing, you're shooting. They didn't listen. God, yeah, yeah. But no, he bled like he bled like nothing. I've, I've never had a gunshot bleed like that. Hit him in the neck. Yeah, like, but hit, yeah, hit him in the neck and just jugular. Just, just yeah, he didn't have a chance. Yeah. Um. But anyways, but yeah, dude, good times. How did we get on this whole topic? We were talking about freaking. You talking about that book? I talk. Oh, talking about like not comparing yourself to others. And, yeah, yeah you got it on your soapbox. Yeah, yeah. Which got me on my soapbox. Yeah, but which it's got like, you but, on another soapbox. Yeah, but it, you know it's fun, dude. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is like just don't compare yourself to others. Like just have fun with it. You know, I've got no issue with the guys. Like I, I'm very competitive by nature, but I try not to be like at all when it comes to like hunting related, just because it it takes the fun out of everything. Now fishing, I'll talk some mad crap. We'll go fishing, <laughs> dude. Fishing, it's a different game. I'll talk, dude. Yeah. Listen. Well, I'm super competitive fish, but honey, I don't do it because I'm just like, because fishing, I'm catching release and stuff, and especially talking about my bass now, you know, sometimes keep some, but like, but for deer, like you're taking something's life. Like I'm not getting super competitive about that because I'm like, I want to make sure it's something that, you know, I, I fully, I'm like, I want to shoot this thing. It's not, I'm just shooting it just to like prove myself or whatever reason. Oh yeah, definitely. Hey, speaking of fishing, do you have, you still have, you still have a canoe? Yeah, it's in the backyard. Okay, cool. Talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> awkward segue with Andrew Maxwell. Awkward. Hey, speaking of fishing, what's going on over at Southern Waters right now? Southern Waters Fishing Podcast, the hottest fishing podcast. You talk about a clunky transition. No, the hottest fishing podcast in the land. Listen, guys. You, you, hey, listen. If you search fishing on, I know at least you do on iTunes on Apple Podcasts. You search fishing six podcasts down. Southern Waters Fishing Podcast. Really? Check it right now. Let me look at that. 
But uh, yeah, Southern Waters Fishing Podcast. We are in episode, I believe we're on episode five now. Yeah, episode five. Just starting our new series, which is going to be all things spotted Son of bass. a gun, we are six down. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Good Let, job, guys. Let's go. Hey, yeah. y'all better, y'all got to keep subscribing, man. Subs- leaving reviews. Yeah, subscribe, leave reviews. But yeah, check out the Southern Waters Fishing Podcast. Uh, but yeah, so it's a little bit different from the Southern Outdoorsman show, uh, just kind of format wise. We're doing everything in series. And we just got finished with our spring crappie series, which was fantastic with Mike Carter uh, from Mike Carter's guide service up on uh, Tennessee River in, in Lake Gunnersville. And we are getting into all things spotted bass, which to me is a very underappreciated species uh, in, in the country. Uh, but definitely in the southeast, especially here in Alabama, if you're going to be fishing, uh, especially a lot of the big river systems in Alabama, in any kind of tournament, you've got to have some big spots in there to win. Like. Some guys can win with a bag full of largemouth, but sometimes like you've got to have one of those big spots, if not a couple of big spots, to play a factor, especially if you're fishing off the Coosa River and it's like majority spotted bass. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, yeah, we're doing a whole series with some great anglers. I've got already a couple other guys lined up that I'm super excited about. But yeah, just kick that off with Anthony Troncali. It's kind of just a, an intro episode, nothing super serious. It's talking about, like, again, how spotted bass play, played a factor for him in uh, tournament fishing in the past, but also just for fun. Like It's by far one of the most fun fish to go and, and target uh, once you know what to look for and where to fish for them. And uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like he talks about in the episode you know, he'd rather go catch, you know, three and a half pound or four pound spot over six, seven, eight pound bass, largemouth bass. Just because, I'm the same way. Just cause man, they're, they're, are we talking on the episode? Man, like a largemouth carries that weight from his head to his tail. A small bass carries it right in the shoulders. He looks oh, like a yeah. linebacker, bro. I mean, dude, he's just <laughs> oh, thick, that's so boy. true. Thick. That's so true. And Especially like, when you're catching him a current. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you. And it's like, it's just a freaking great time. So, anyways, yeah, y'all go check out the Southern Waters Fishing Podcast. Uh, and, of course, you, if you enjoy it, please leave us a review on that. That would be absolutely hey, killer. Speaking of this, so yeah. uh, we need the listeners uh, to help us with this. So, on the Southern Outdoorsman Show, on here, we talk about woodsmanship a lot. You know, with what we talked oh. about with Dave Owens earlier. Dave is a woodsman, okay? Um, a lot of the stuff he talks about is stuff that comes from his woodsmanship. He spent a lot of time in the woods. He's very talented at what he does. He understands how things work. And he talks about things in a way where you just know he's a, he's a woodsman. Um, same thing with uh, Bill Vale, you know, a guy who spent his whole life out in the woods. And, and he's come up with these theories that work extremely well for him. That's the mark of a good woodsman. You know, they just, they're extremely well-rounded. They really understand what they're doing and why they're doing it and why the critters are doing what they're doing and how they can take advantage of it and be a good predator. That's woodsmanship. What is the word for that, for fishing? Because it's not woodsman. So this guy, um, JP Morgan 1083 left us a review and said, making watersmen now. (laughs) Strong work with the new fishing podcast. I like how the last guest focused on what the fish were doing instead of the fancy gear. Maybe we should think of it as watersmanship. Keep up the good work or the strong work. So I don't know if there's a term for that. I mean, I'm not opposed to watersmanship. Watersman. Man, I don't like it's, it. it's it, kind it, of a mouthful. It but. doesn't flow good. Woodsman. Woodsman flows, dude. Woodsman. Smooth. Yeah. Smooth. Oh, son. Waterman. Waterman. Oh, my God. Wellerman. Wellerman. Oh, don't get me started, uh, bro. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, y'all uh, need to go Google a song called Wellerman. How do you spell it? Wellerman. That's just how it sounds. W e l l e r m e n m e n. 
Yeah, go Google that. Go, yeah. go search that, guys, and then get back to me. Well, so what's the name for that, though, for fishing? That's what we've been, we've been, I've been saying it for five episodes now. I don't know. Man. We, we got to brain it our own. Oh, yeah, I know. We need guys, to if you want to make history, <laughs> come up with a phrase like woodsman, like, which, again, it all encompasses everything outdoor-related. Maybe you just call it woodsman. Well, that one I want to say We need a term for, like, a well-rounded angler. And like, hmm. that's, that's what woodsman is. A woodsman is a well-rounded hunter and outdoorsman. Yeah. Um, hey, here's another one. Uh, D. McDonald in Tennessee. Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read two of these real quick, just because I, I think that I think they uh, kind of encapsulate what the show does. Uh, this guy says, "I'm amazed at how much I didn't know about fishing. Uh, I've been fishing since I can remember, and I'm 53 years old. The guys do it again, just like their hunting show. They bring on great guests that teach and inform you. Keep up the great work. Mm. So that's a that's a really really nice review. Really appreciate that one. Um, of course, we're reading this on the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Uh, you know, trying if if y'all haven't went and checked out Southern Waters so far, I'd highly suggest it. Um, really appreciate that that review, and obviously that's what we're really striving for. We're striving for that exact thing. Um, yeah, this is the the thing I've kind of came up with. It's like no matter your experience and your background, we can all become better anglers and share that experience with others. Mm-hmm. And that's like the whole point of that podcast. Hey, same thing with hunting, dude. Any of these great hunters we have on here that that all these listeners really enjoy and and maybe really look up to all all these good hunters will tell you that they're still learning every single year there's always room to get better you know even even the guys who literally have a room full of big pope and young or better deer uh and i feel like it's the same way on the angling front kind of like what you're getting at mm-hmm. yeah i mean absolutely I mean, for a lot for some guys it is some guys you know they're kind of setting their ways but you're always learning different conditions and everything. And it's just fascinating because like I take, especially like doing a lot of interviews is like, I'm taking like my, like that curiosity factor from like the hunting side into the fishing, which I'm like very passionate with fishing, but like this, like the Southern outdoorsman has taken such a precedent last few years, like the hunting side. I fished a little bit last year. I didn't fish much at all because of work got in the way this year's going to be a totally different story. Um, but it's like, th- this is a huge passion there. And the guys that are like super serious fishing, there's so much to learn there in like strategy and tip wise that to be honest, like blows like the hunting side out of the water. Like there's just so many different things that can be done. And it's extremely complicated too, because so much technology can be involved as well. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, the format when it comes to the show is simplifying to the aspect, like we're trying to make better anglers, but we're not trying to all rely on solely technology to make us, you know, a quality angler. Like how do we get good, by just some of the basics that we can build upon with electronics once we kind of understand that foundation, which is episode number four we just had on the podcast um, with Josh Hawley, uh, the fundamentals of becoming a better angler. Building that foundation just makes you so much better, you know, kind of going forward and start applying some of those electronics instead of just jumping straight into electronics and just relying solely on electronics. But not to get too sidetracked there, it's just super interesting topics that excited about but yeah definitely stay tuned for the spotted bass series it's gonna be absolutely killer go subscribe to the podcast check out southern waters fishing podcast on facebook and instagram go give us a sub and a like and uh, share it with uh, all your friends your mama your grandmama everybody (laughs) your cousin your cousin your baby mama whoever you got (laughs) share that podcast with absolutely i'm excited about the spotted bass series can't yep. wait to get into that stuff, man. Absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, other than that, dude, just other than that, but it's been doing some dog training. 
little bit of dog training. What time we get? What were we at? Oh yeah, we at we at fifty minutes. I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to get Nick to let to let you on an outro. Oh, so I just ran on there. Okay, so we found out, guys. A lot of you guys don't like us when we talk about those dogs. Yeah, let's yeah. oh, go a little, little sidetrack. Anyways, we just built a built a quail flight pen. Pretty awesome. Yeah, got a hundred. Well, not one hundred seventy five quail anymore. Got like a hundred. 65-ish quail in there. We bought a oh, heap of quail. We bought a heap of quail. Yep. Got a couple of ducks in there. Ducks about to be used to. Some dollar training. Mm-hmm. Pepper is now becoming a full-blown killer hunter. <laughs> Pointing master, dude. Got me fired <laughs> genetics up. genetics clicking on. The genetics is like, oh, dude, you just, you just hit the switch, Switch bro. has been flipped. And she's seven months old. Dude. And then I get flipped back. They're seven months old, and she's, an, she's ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's awesome, so. But yeah, oh Matt, it's been killer, dude. So sweet. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that eventually. I know. Uh, so there's there's a segment of the audience that really likes the bird dog stuff. There's a there's also another large segment that just does not care <laughs> at all. Her analytics, like I, I get it. I mean, I get it. We're we're like a deer and turkey show. I get it. But uh, but man, uh, we did that one with Scott, and and some of y'all blew up. Uh. Scott's wife, oh, yeah. right? Because <laughs> he, he started giving out uh, Kylie's number. Yeah, she's like, "Yeah, call about you know that do that new." I'm telling you that new breeding dude. I'm not to get sidetracked. Oh, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Like guys, if started you, giving out her number. I'm like, mm. yeah. If you want, if you want a, a ridiculous hunting dog, that that new breeding that they're doing is gonna be unbelievable. But I uh, want one. I'll do. You better talk to the old lady. You know, Tiffany set on a daggum golden retriever. Oh my god! I mean, set. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to fight. This is gonna be a battle. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna duke it out, and we're gonna see if I can't get me a DK. No, you're gonna lose big time. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna have. Well, see, here's what's gonna happen. If we, if I, if I end up caving and we get a golden retriever, I'm just gonna also get a DK, and we're, just, we're just gonna have four dogs. And that's how it's gonna be. <laughs> I told her that. I'm like, prepare yourself for this. Are you going to go? All right, we're getting DK. There, there's two ways this can go. Either we get a DK or we get a golden retriever and, and a DK. A DK. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Four dogs. That would be. That's I, I, I've seen more. Kevin Murphy. How many dogs Kevin Murphy yet? <laughs> 35? I don't know a lot. I mean, uh, that's maybe not an exaggeration. He's no, got a bunch. No, he's got a ton, dude. Yeah. Hey, whatever. You know, you know we got to work out, gotta work out a... Uh, uh, you got some kind of advertisement deal with you can do or pet or uh, Perina or somebody. Yep, so, honestly. But uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, anyways, guys, appreciate y'all's support. Thanks again for following on the podcast and checking out everything that we've got going on. We appreciate everybody's support that's already been supporting the Southern Waters Fishing Podcast. Appreciate everybody else that goes over there and just checks it out. Give it a download. Give it a listen. We promise you won't be uh, you won't regret it. Uh, it will not be a waste of your time. Trust us. Uh, but again, just appreciate y'all's support on the Southern Waters Fishing Podcast and the Southern Outdoorsman. But, Andrew, anything else? That's all I got, boys and girls. Uh, good luck for everybody hitting the turkey woods this weekend. Stay safe and shoot straight. Y'all stay Southern. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed 
for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you, you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.